All right, joining us now on the Sprint special guest line, uh, customers get the fantastic iPhone X for 50% off with FlexLease. Visit the local Sprint store near you. He writes for the Salt Lake Tribune. He is Chris Camrani. Hi, Chris. How are you? Hey, guys. How are we doing? Hey, we are doing uh, terrific. Really enjoyed your piece in the uh, in the Trib, uh, talking about BYU Hall of Famer Larry Carr. Um, if you would just start by start with kind of the premise of the story and uh, and the story he has to tell. Yeah, so Larry is a former BYU Hall of Famer, as you mentioned. Uh, he's third all time on the school's tackling list uh, in the history of BYU football. So. That's an accomplishment in of itself. Uh, he played for Lavelle Edwards. Uh, but, you know, a couple decades ago, he started having some issues popping up. His wife said he started forgetting words. He started creating gibberish words. Uh, got a little more uh, aggressive every once in a while. He got severe anxiety, whereas he used to be the most, as his wife described, the most normal, level-headed person ever. And they finally went and saw a neurologist. And um, as we know now with CTE, you can't officially diagnose CTE. And so, unfortunately, that patient has passed away. But doctors who are specialists can kind of look back on the history of someone's career in athletics and tell them whether or not they likely have CTE. And eventually, Larry and Lori Carr found out that, yes, it's very likely that Larry uh, sustained too many blows to the head during his years of football at BYU and likely has CTE, and that's what led to his erratic behavior over the last few decades. And Larry basically went looking for an answer because he was severely depressed. He had anxiety everywhere he went. He was on a mission with his wife in Boston and couldn't even focus enough to do, you know, the service work that they were assigned to do when they were at the probate court in Boston. He would get paranoid when somebody would get too close to him, and they eventually found an answer, and, that, and what Larry says, it's an answer for him, and he hopes it's an answer for other people. Uh, but once they went to the Boston VA and, and found this treatment method, it's uh, helped him come back a little bit. So it's an interesting story for sure. What are some of the other manifestations of this, Chris? Uh, did, did he get into uh, a comprehensive uh, list of details? So he went and saw a few specialists, as, as most people do. Um, ironically, one of the first doctors he went to kind of wrote it off and said, ah, you're getting old. Every once in a, everybody has some mental issues every now and then. And they still tell the story of that. You know, they never went back to that doctor again, and rightfully so. But you know, other doctors they went to, they, you know, they did CT scans. They did um, neuro scans. They did all sorts of tests. Um, you know, psychological, verbal, and, you know, pretty much, unfortunately for Larry, every every box was checked. And, and, it, and it sucks, but, you know, he's doing something about it, and he's 67, he has grandchildren, and as he said, he wants to be able to be his best self as, as much as he can these last few years. The procedure he underwent uh, that, that's given him some relief on this, Chris, how... Um how outside of the box is this? How experimental is this? Yeah, it, it is, and, and 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 he said that himself. You know, he uh, a lot of a lot of specialists kind of chalk it up as uh, junk science, or uh, that's the phrase he used. But it's basically it's uh, LED lights that stimulate various parts of the brain with a kind of cool-looking Tron helmet. That would be the only way that I could describe it. Uh, you know, you, you sit down and you have this thing on your head and you sit still and close your eyes and relax for 45 minutes and it flashes, 
you know, various levels of LED lights on the four corners of your brain. And for those who suffer from it, the studies have shown, according to the company V-Light, it helps kickstart, um, you know, some parts of the brain that have been damaged. And, and in Larry's case, it's helped him. And the trial that he went through, the six-week trial, it helped him immensely. But due to the trial, you had to take an eight-week-long break. And during that break, the symptoms came back. And he was anxiety-ridden again, and he was having a tough time focusing, and he wasn't himself. But then once he was able to get back on it, it took longer to, to you know, get rid of those symptoms, but it, it came back, and, and he was feeling better again. So it's, it's very interesting, and as he says, it's not an answer for everybody, but it works for him at the moment, and he just wants people to be able to, you know, give it a shot if they can. Chris, what are your thoughts on CTE and and the future of football? Oh, Gordon, you know I'm the number one person to ask when it comes to the future of football, me being the, <laughs> the future Hall of Famer myself. Um, it's tough. You know, I asked Larry Carr this question. I said, will you let your grandchildren play football? Do you want your grandchildren to play football? And he said, you know, as the technology progresses and as a potential answer is found, then maybe. But it's tough. Man, I mean, you see so many people affected and you hear someone like Larry's story and then he, you know, he admitted it himself. He's in a good place compared to so many people. I mean, we've seen so many great, uh, you know, former football players in recent years, unfortunately, take their own lives and do so in such a manner that they knew that they needed their brain tested. I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking. And they've had people reach out to them. They've, they've had, you know, stories that are much worse than their own and that's saying something. So it's, it's just kind of tough to kind of gauge what, what the future is going to be like. I know, you know, nationwide attendance numbers are dropping. More kids are getting involved in various other sports. And it's, um, it's going to be something that we have to keep an eye on for sure. But it's, the long-term effects are just, in my opinion, they're brutal. And, and you can change the way someone tackles. But at the end of the day, you know, people feel empowered when they have those pads and those helmets on because you're a warrior out there. You're, you're, you're doing something that you love. And in the moment, it might seem grave, but the long-term ramifications, as we've seen with so many people, it's, it's brutal. That's all. Uh, Chris Camrani with us from the Salt Lake Tribune, 97.5 and 1280 Zone. And, Chris, switching gears just a little bit, but I know you also wrote uh, recently about Yoli Childs and Nimi Keita coming back to uh, BYU and Utah State, respectively. Uh, which was more of a surprise in your mind uh, coming back, Yoli or Nimi? Oh, that's a good question. Um I would probably say Yoli, just because of the amount of change that was going on around the program with, with Dave Rose retiring. Um, Namias had a lot of, you know, interest. I, I talked to some NBA scouts myself over the course of the season who, you know, told me that a lot of teams were interested in his ability, but he was raw. He, um, I mean, the college game can be boring, but he plays defense a little aggressively, and then he unfortunately gets called for too many fouls, as happened early on in the season. But for me, it's Yoli. I think with Dave leaving and Mark Pope coming in, obviously there was some level of familiarity there with the program, but Mark really had to sell Yoli on coming back and, and improving parts of his game if he wants to achieve his dream of playing in the NBA. And Yoli said himself that he had chances to play overseas and he turned down some lucrative offers. And I totally believe that. But if your dream is in the NBA and you've been told two off seasons now that there are specific things you need to work on, I, I credit Yoli for coming back and, and giving it one more go with a team that's going to have plenty of leadership, but, you know, a lot of seniors 
um, to try to get BYU back on track and back in the NCAA tournament. Specifically, did he mention what what it is that he's trying to fix in order to elevate his status? Yeah, he uh, he didn't shy away from that. He said his goal is to be the West Coast Conference Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and I guess that's saying something if a guy who's coming back who put up you know 10 double-doubles and averaged basically 21 and 10, who says he wants to be the Defensive Player of the Year and not the MVP. So I think um, a lot of the scouts told him that he needs to get more versatile defensively, and that's you know definitely guarding the perimeter the way the game is going, as well as down low. I mean, Yoli... He looks big, he's, but he's 6'8". I mean, he's a huge kid, but he's still 6'8". And if he projects at the next level, that means he's going to have to get out on the perimeter and defend, you know, even two guards and, a, and the small forwards as well. Chris, really love your role over there at the Tribune right now. You're, you're digging into some uh, just incredibly interesting stories. You want to give us a little tease on maybe a, a story or two you're working on? Um, man, you put me on the spot, Jake. There are a few. I mean, I it's it's tough to to be in this position because you're kind of counted upon to deliver some really interesting things. And luckily enough, I have um, some people that give me good story ideas. People like Gordon, so I have that uh, to my disposal. But um, there will be some interesting ones. I'm I'm very interested in. Uh, there's a you know a lawsuit going on regarding the all girls football tackle football league in Utah and. You know, Sam Gordon and her father, Brenner, are involved in trying to get, uh, you know, tackle football involved in UHSAA, and it's become kind of a, a national story, and they're involved in a class action lawsuit, and they are gaining more members of their program, and it's, it's interesting. We talk about the, the future of football. Um, you know, here's a, a club sport that's grown from 50 girls uh, two years ago to about 460 now. So that's that's interesting for me. And then on the on the horizon, I don't know. I, I wish I had a better answer for you, Jake. I want I want you to believe that I have this whole thing mapped out. <laughs> and I probably shouldn't say this on the radio, but and hopefully my boss isn't listening. He probably is. So that's great for me. Um, but yeah, I just kind of fly by the seat of my pants and see where the stories take me. Well, I'll keep flying by the seat of your pants, Chris, because uh, <laughs> you fly very well that way. Uh, very talented guy, Jake, as you know. Absolutely. And, Chris, I've always said that about you, and uh, you're uh, you're making it real. Ah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Chris, who would you be more surprised to see at the Salt Lake Tribune newsroom, Gordon or President <laughs> Trump? Ooh. <laughs> um, I guess I would I would counter that with, that would have to be the most read column in the history of the Salt Lake Tribune website if Gordon got to interview Trump Ooh. about some sort of sporting topic. I would assume it would be golf, and Gordon would have to ask him if he really averaged, uh, if he was really like a 66 handicap or whatever he recl- uh, whatever he claims to be. But that would be, I will counter it with that response. All right. Well, one thing's for sure, we both would walk into the newsroom with our golf shoes on. <laughs> that, that's for sure, right? <laughs> that's probably true. Uh, hey, Chris, we really appreciate you coming on. And, and one of these days, man, we'll have to, to get a little deeper with you and get you over here in studio, man. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever you guys need. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right. Thanks, you, Chris. Chris.